Hello, everyone. Welcome to Disability Inc. Include NYC's podcast series. My name is Beth Ebert. I'm a youth and transition educator here at Include NYC. Um, I am also lucky to be the younger sister of an awesome young man on the autism spectrum. Our topic for today will shed light on the unique experiences of people who have siblings with disabilities. This is a topic, obviously, that is very close to my heart, as I'm sure is the case with our wonderful guest today. Um, and without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce you all to Lindsay Highland. Lindsay is a sibling to a person with a disability, as well as a mother, a wife, a teacher, a member of the sibling committee at AHRC, um, the New York State Representative for the Sibling Leadership Network, and the New York chapter that Lindsay facilitates is called Sibs New York. So much going on with siblings, Lindsay. <laughs> so welcome, Lindsay. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here with you and have the opportunity to share my story. Oh, the pleasure is certainly ours. So, Lindsay, um, you clearly have been such an advocate for siblings, and as a sibling myself, I really admire the work that you're doing. Um, I can't wait to hear more about your work and what brought you to the world of support for siblings. Um, and so to start us off, why don't you share a little bit about your sister and your relationship with her? Um, sure. So um, I have actually three sisters. Um, my oldest sister, Elizabeth, who is two years older than me. She lives in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. um, and then my sister, Julia, she's three and a half years younger than me. And she currently lives in an HRC community residence here on Staten Island, about 10 minutes away from me. Mm -hmm. And then our younger sister, Claire, she is four years younger than Julia, um, and gotcha. she lives in Alexandria, Virginia. So there's four of us. We live all over the place, uh, but Julia currently lives about 10 minutes from my house now. Um, and growing up, Julia, who is three and a half years behind me, she was diagnosed with developmental disabilities fairly early on. She mm -hmm. was diagnosed in around eight months. Um, that probably, you know, my mom kind of had a hunch that Julia wasn't developing like my sister Elizabeth and I were at around the same age. Mm. So, um, you know, there's benefits to being diagnosed early on. So my parents really knew before Julia was even a year old that she was not developing. And as sisters, you know, growing up, we didn't know really what that meant. She was just our sister. You know, she was younger than us, so she naturally was going to be developmentally younger than us. So, you know, we really didn't recognize anything significantly different. I, you know, in hindsight, I know my parents probably told us, but, you know, when we were that young, here I am, only four, Elizabeth six, Julia's one, we didn't really have any idea of what that meant. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Claire, she's four years behind Julia, but was developing quicker oh, than yeah. Julia. Mm -hmm. And still, you know, we just noticed, okay, Julie is not responding like Claire would, and she was just different. Um, yeah. But there was no real, like, thought about that. It was like, okay, she's different. She reacts differently. And, you know, we had the benefit of growing up with a really big backyard. We always would play outside. 
And, you know, we noticed like Julia wouldn't communicate the mm. same way as, you know, Claire would respond to things, you know, Elizabeth would. But we actually really enjoyed trying to figure Julia out growing up. Mm -hmm. um, we, we loved trying to figure out what made her laugh, what made her happy. And that's kind of what young siblings really worry about. Just, are you happy? You know, what makes you happy? And that was sort of our, um, just our drive as young kids. Awesome. That sounds like a fun family. Um, <laughs> would you, could you maybe discuss how some of like the sibling dynamics worked with you and your older sisters and you and Julia and kind of what that looked like for our listeners? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I always tell parents, I'm like, siblings are siblings. Siblings have stuff, whether there's one with yes. a disability or not, mm -hmm. you know, just sibling dynamics are very interesting. I now have mm -hmm. two little girls and watching them and watching their relationship, you know, it, it, siblings just have a unique relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Jules, I think we sort of bonded as siblings over mm. wanting to entertain Julia and care for her and make sure she was happy. You know, we had our typical sibling <laughs> fights and sibling issues and stealing right. clothes and, you know, that stuff. <laughs> um, but it was really nice to have, you know, other people in the family to sort of talk about Julia and talk about what we could do for her. And um, there was like a mini sort of support system mm. growing up with my siblings. Um, you know, we used to uh, have, we used to have to watch Julia, just like you would watch all your siblings, you know, like I'd have to watch my little sister Claire. And then it was, all right, you know, Julia really needed a lot more care mm. growing up. And even as she got older, you know, Claire grew out of the need to be babysat or watched by her older sisters outside, but Julia really never grew out of that. And, you know, growing up, we used to have, you know, sort of Julia time where, okay, it's now your time. Like you get to go watch Julia outside or, and we developed that as little siblings. You know, we kind of mm -hmm. had our own little unique uh, support system, which was nice. Um, yeah. And growing up, we, I, I remember we'd laugh a lot about the stuff going on with Julia, you know, sure. and stuff you wouldn't necessarily talk about with your other friends, but my sisters, we, we would really be curious about Julia together. Like what's going on in her, in her head as she's jumping up and down and self-stimming and doing all these funny things. And I remember one time my sisters and I, we were like, let's imitate Julia. Like let's follow her for a day and try <laughs> to figure out Julia and what, like what's going on. And I remember, you know, we'd follow her and she loved to jump. She still does. And we would jump up and down. We would, you know, flick our fingers in the light that Julia liked to do. We'd play with leaves. But after about 10 minutes, we were exhausted. And we were like, this is exhausting <laughs> trying yeah. to be Julia. But it was, it was just nice. Like the dynamics that we developed in our house was a very supportive one. That's great. It sounds like you guys really developed a strong bond with each other. And I'm curious, you kind of started to talk about this a little bit, but when, when did you guys start to realize that maybe your childhood experience was different um, or unique? You know, I think, I think within our own house, we kind of had this, our own like normal, you know, we, mm -hmm. we, 
everybody was who they were. You know, Julia was Julia, Claire was Claire. You know, we we had what we thought was like a pretty typical family. You know, we yeah. had our we were doing all the same things as other families were doing. But I think when you know Claire started to outdevelop Julia, we knew that you know that was different. Um, in school, you know, I remember you know when you share stories and no one is relating to you, you realize okay, you know, we've got different things going on. Um, mm. Growing up, I mean, we kind of were conditioned to realize different didn't mean bad. You know, mm -hmm. it just meant different. Um, but I do remember, you know, all my friends at school, they really loved Julia. They really, you know, adored her. She was this younger sister. She was very cute. And, but, you know, you realize like no one else has to worry about their siblings. Like I worry about Julia's happiness. And yeah. I remember that from an early age being like, I, I always worry that Julia's happy or not sick or safe. She couldn't tell us. Julia, you know, when she was younger, she really couldn't tell us anything. She couldn't tell us if mm -hmm. she was happy. Um, she couldn't tell us if she was, you know, sick or upset. And I realized my friends didn't have that problem or they didn't play with their siblings the way I play with my sibling. Like I twirl a shoestring and it's the biggest thing for Julia and other siblings aren't doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we got a little older before Julia went off to school because she had the opportunity to go away to the May School for Children um, when she was nine. And it was just before she went away to school that I was taking Julia for a walk and she loved walks and she loved being outside. So if she was ever upset, I'd always offer like, you want to go for a walk, Jules? Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad, he said, you know what, here's a dollar. Go go down to the candy store down the block and get yourself a candy bar and take Jules for a walk. You know, walking down the block, we go into the deli and I get a candy bar. And Julia was someone who loved blowing bubbles. She got such a kick out of just spitting, like blowing bubbles. And it would be this long Santa Claus-like bubble beard. <laughs> yep. And, you know... I didn't mind it because it made her happy and anything that made her sure. happy was something I was like, great. And we walk into the store and this woman who's working there looks up and she was absolutely taken aback, looked at me and said, get that rabid kid out of here. Wow. And I just, you know, there I am like, I know, I'm probably like 10, maybe 11. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, she does not have rabies. She has a developmental disability and she likes blowing bubbles. And that was my first real experience of the discrimination against Julia, you know, like yeah. I always knew she was different and she had these disabilities, but I had yet to experience that she wouldn't be accepted for who she mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. And that was a real, you know, I was, I was so overcome by that moment and I walked back and yelled at my parents and I was so upset and I was expecting them to turn around and run down to the deli and yell at this woman. But I do remember my parents saying, you know what, she just doesn't understand people like Julia. Um, and wow. it's important to um, just educate our world that not everyone's the same and everyone is different and everyone is unique. And I just remember that was sort of the first time I really knew that I worried about Julia even more so about what her future looked like. And oh my goodness, like deli people are making fun 
of her. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was probably when I noticed that life for Julia might be a little different. Yeah. Um, wow, that sounds like a lot of emotional things to process for someone so young. And I, you know, I, as a sibling myself, I can certainly relate to some of those stories. Um, how, how did you get through that? Um, are there any ways specifically that you received support that were helpful? It's a great question. Um, I, in hindsight now, I, I would have these conversations as I got older because when I, with my parents, you know, when you're younger, you don't realize what, what was real support. It, you know, right. when you're younger, you might just be getting the support and you don't realize where it's coming from. But mm -hmm. I always remember feeling like my parents could always help sort of rationalize the thoughts that, um, you know, I had like there I was so angry coming back from the store and they were able to sort of allow me to process that. I felt like my parents, you know, they really received a lot of support. So mm -hmm. they, um, you know, they made sure that they were these young parents with a child with a disability with other children, and they made sure that they asked for help often. And this is, this is them telling me this as I was later on, you know, as an adult. They, when I asked them, like, why did I have so much, what was the support I had and why did I feel so supported growing up? And it was because they went out of their way to get support as parents. You know, they latched on mm -hmm. to agencies, they asked a lot of questions, and they always told us as kids, you have to learn to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And they got a lot of support as parents. They also made sure Julia received a lot of support. So whatever services that they could find for Julia, they made sure to get her. Um, and my mom recently once told me, she said, we really committed to making sure that all of our children got what they needed. And that might mean Julia went to respite so that Lindsay could go to ballet lessons. Um, so they really asked for help in how can I help all my children? Mm -hmm. And we were very fortunate to have the respites. Um, even my grandparents, you know, my grandparents stepped in and offered to watch Julia when, you know, maybe we had other events going on that Julia couldn't attend. So um, I really think I had a lot of in-home support um, coming down from my parents. And also my sisters, I really feel like I had this, you know, support system with just my siblings. And it's very different from parent support. You know, I could go to my sisters and say, I feel really embarrassed about Julia. I don't want to tell mm -hmm. mom and dad. Mm -hmm. They might think I'm a bad person that I'm embarrassed about my sister. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, you know, it was either one of my sisters or it was my parents. They said, well, you get embarrassed about me. Like you get embarrassed mm -hmm. with your other sisters. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like, it's okay to feel frustrated about your sister or sad or whatever it was. And that really, that really came within my own home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love the idea of sort of normalizing that experience for you. Um, I think that's so insightful to what you mentioned about having siblings. Um, I had brothers, other brothers growing up, so I could definitely relate to that, that little unit of support sort of mm -hmm. being built in. Um, and it sounds like you received a lot of great natural support, right? Built in support while you were growing up. Um, could you speak maybe more to those supports and um, 
touch on some of the supports, other, other ways that people could find support, maybe in their communities or? Yeah, I, um, when I was younger, my parents actually introduced us to something called Sib Shops. Mm -hmm. So although they recognized that we had each other probably, I think my mom and dad wanted us to meet other kids mm -hmm. that had siblings with disabilities because here they were as parents meeting other parents of children with disabilities and they loved meeting other parents. And my mom said, you know, it'd be great if our daughters met other kids as well, not just within this own family. And so I went to some sip shops growing up and what sip shops are, they were created by Don Meyer we call him the father of Sib Shops. Um, he recently retired from the Sibling Support Project. Um, Emily Hall is now the director. But Don Meyer recognized the need for siblings to really meet each other and realize they're not alone. Um, they share a lot of things in common and they needed a place to share how they're feeling in a non-judgmental way. Mm -hmm. And so these sib shops were great. You could meet other kids and they just understood right away that you were like them. Like you felt like you were a part of a group. They had the same kind of feelings that you did. And no matter what you shared, you never felt bad about sharing it. Like you could say, I'm really frustrated or I'm really, you know, mad at my sister whenever she rips up my books because mm -hmm. I remember Julia always loving ripping paper and, <laughs> and you felt bad being mad at her. So there were these sip shops, which were really fabulous and they continue today. And there are sip shops all across the country, all across the world. And the sibling support project, their goal is to train people to run these sib shops. And we're very fortunate to have the Department of Education um, get on board with that, with Include NYC as well. Yay. And so, yay. Um, so we are going to have tons of sip shops across New York City soon. Mm -hmm. And I really, you know, they're, they started at a young age of five and they go till 12. And I really think having that early on support is really important for young sibs. We actually have a lot of online support. So there are um, sort of like sib groups online. One of them is Teen Sib. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that awkward teenage stage of <laughs> not really wanting to hang out with like other people you don't know, but really actually loving the idea of having a place to, you know, talk to other siblings. So on Facebook, there's something called Teen Sib, and it's a great place for teens to go and sort of hash out their thoughts. And, um, and then we have Sib 20. So it's a group for 20 year olds who might be starting their careers and needing a place to share out their experiences. We also um, have SibNet, which mm -hmm. um, you know, is for adult siblings who wanna share stories, find out what supports are available. And then there's the Sibling Leadership Network. Um, the Sibling Leadership Network is a national network um, and their goal is to support siblings across the country. And then there's Sibs New York, which is the New York State chapter um, for the Sibling Leadership, Leadership Network. And um, we have a support group that meets once a month 
We run a lot of meetups, a lot of fun meetups. We provide information. We provide um, policy information. So there's actually support across the country for every stage in a sibling's life from mm. young to old. Um, and it's, it's really amazing. There is so much support out there for siblings. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm so glad to know that these workshops exist, um, not just to support other siblings, but to spread awareness to professionals um, and to older adults that might be supporting siblings. I think that's a great way to provide that support if it wasn't something that was naturally um, provided or just additionally. Uh, I also, I love how you kind of brought us through every stage, right? There's support for children, teens, young adults, um, older folks as well. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that your parents having support growing up helped you develop your own and build your own personal relationship with Julia. Um, would you mind taking us uh, or talking to us a little bit about how your relationship with Julia or your other family members may have changed um, or developed as you or evolved as you became an adult? Yeah, my parents, when we were younger, they really wanted us to just be Julia's sister. They wanted us to just be sisters, you know, and not worry so much about decisions that needed to be made. Although they included us in that, you know, we as sisters, we, we really got to know Julia on a level and we understood what made her happy. And we were, we were a family that my parents would include us in the planning, but they didn't want us to worry about it. Mm -hmm. They didn't want us to feel the need to have to um, become more of a caretaker for Julia. And they always reiterated, just do your thing. You know, mm -hmm. if you want. and you know, my sisters and I, we've all lived all over the place. And I know sometimes making those decisions are hard when you have a sibling with a disability who needs a lot of support. And there's guilt in leaving, going off to college, living overseas, just sort of following your own path. And my mm -hmm. parents always said, you know, you're always going to be Julia's sister. It's and it's a beautiful relationship, but we don't want you to worry about anything else. And so there I was. I decided to go teach in England, and I taught there for three years. And when I moved back, Julia had been living in the community residence she's living in now for about two years. Mm -hmm. And you know the advocacy work my parents did to get her into this beautiful house, beautiful school programs. Um, and they worked so hard to give Julia as independent of a life as possible and as an enriched life as possible. And I came back and I thought, wow, this is so great. Julia's doing great. We're all doing great. But I had a moment of, oh my goodness, you know, I'm in my late twenties and my parents could go poof at any moment. And mm -hmm. although their plan was always that Julia would always be, um, set up so that if anything happened to them, that we could really still be her sister and care for her, but we wouldn't have to worry about that caretaking role. But, you know, I also said to my parents, I really want to be more informed because if you mm -hmm. do go poof, I want to know what got her here and how I can keep her here. Mm -hmm. um, I really, it wasn't that I was, you know, I wasn't interested in knowing all about 
um, programs and things like that, but I just didn't have to. My parents really mm-hmm. took on that role. But I said, I want to be more informed. I want to make sure that if anything happens, my sisters and I, we can keep that going. We can make sure that her quality of life is the same as it is now. Mm-hmm. And so I went to my parents and I said, I need you to sit down and do like a big tree of what you did to get you here. What, what do I need to know? And my mom looked right at me and she said, you know what you need to do? You should join the sibling committee at AHRC because that will allow you the opportunity to stay informed. You'll meet other siblings. Um, and it's the best way to, uh, be informed is to be a part of this agency. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. And really that was the snowball to all of this other sibling world that I've entered. Um, Mm -hmm. The sibling committee, it's a wonderful committee that provides um, education series to siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, We always wanna keep siblings informed of what's going on. Um, And by joining the sibling committee, I then was introduced to Emily Hall who was at that stage, um, she was one of the first founders of Sibs New York. Mm, And so, you know, here I was just wanting to become informed and then it sort of led me to even more siblings and more advocacy uh, opportunities and um, which then led to the Sibling Leadership Network. And I think as an adult, my interest in really helping Julia has grown. That's great. That's awesome. I love that that you were talking about sort of your development into becoming a sibling advocate, right? And how it wasn't something you necessarily set out to do, but you like you just wanted to know more so that you could support Julia and it led you to all this incredible stuff. Um, would you say that being a sibling who advocates um, for their brother or sister is different maybe than a, than a parent advocate or even a service provider advocate? Yeah, there's lots of layers actually to that question. Um, you know, siblings have the longest relationship. So it's even longer than a parent would have with their own children. And so, you know, and siblings develop a different relationship with their siblings than a parent would with their mm-hmm. own children. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like for me, um, you know, in my situation, I didn't really necessarily have to worry about advocating for Julia's, you know, uh, programs and things like that. I was advocating more for her, you know, enrichment in life growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got to know what she liked, what she didn't like. And I feel like, you know, my parents were always worried about, okay, where is she going to school and where is she living? And I always worried about, well, she likes this and she likes this. And when I was younger, I was always telling those people, by the way, she likes playing with leaves. She likes playing with the tips of shoelaces. (laughs) And so siblings, you know, we're very passionate about making our siblings happy. And whereas a parent, although that's what they want as well, you know, they're thinking more down the road um, Mm -hmm. and where they're going. Um, You know, siblings... Even now, I feel like my role has changed a little bit because I'm, although I never used to make decisions about where I would live or what I would do um, prior to coming home, but now as we're all getting older, I'm sometimes siblings make decisions about where they're going to live, 
um, where they're going to retire, what their siblings might be doing. Yeah, I think that uh, that's super relatable for me also. And I think that these insights you mentioned about adulthood are so helpful um, for the public to be aware of. I really appreciate you touching on all of this. Um, and I know you mentioned before some of the supports that were helpful are helpful for, for children. And you talked a little bit about some of the supports that are available. Um, do you want to maybe dive deeper into the supports that you have experienced as an adult and maybe how those supports can be helpful to other adult SIBs? Sure. Um, so SIBs New York, which is the group I co-facilitate, is the New York State chapter of the Sibling Leadership Network. And the okay. Sibling Leadership Network is this fabulous national network that's goal is to provide support for siblings. Mm -hmm. And they provide siblings um, with information, support, you know, the tools to advocate with their siblings um, with mm. disabilities. They have conferences every two years. Um, they are uh, down in DC learning about the policies involved with or how they impact our siblings. Um, and I have found it so great to be a part of that network. Um, mostly because I, I and my other friends who are siblings, we receive such a variety of support. Mm. So, you know, a sibling who just really wants to get involved in policy or just information, they can find it there. Siblings who want to find support groups, they can find that there. Um, and it's just, it's really a place that has information and support for any sibling at any point in their life, at any level. And it's been wonderful to be a part of that. And there's so many different siblings, you know, and they'll say they may enter into the support when they don't necessarily really need it yet. Or there's mm -hmm. some who, you know, are in crisis mode, but either way, there is so much support. And I have found that it's just so great to know that no matter what, no, you know, if something happens, I have these really well-informed siblings in this network that can help me. And really, that's something I've learned growing up that, you know, you may not know the answer, but there is some place to reach out and, and get help. And that person might connect you with someone else and connect you with someone else. So, you know, we've had, we have a lot of siblings in Sibs New York and we reach out to each other and we say, you know, I need this support for my brother. Do you know where I can find it? And mm -hmm. if that sibling doesn't know, we ask somewhere else. And eventually we get to, you know, the answer to all the questions. And it's just so nice to have that, that, you know, I didn't realize I would have getting into this. Um, and I've met some really amazing, wonderful people and very well-informed people in the Sibling Leadership Network. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, and I know what you mean. It, it can be really a daunting task to navigate these various systems for our siblings. Um, and so just having those connections, I think, is super, super helpful. Yeah. Um, and then I also know that with my experience, even meeting you, Lindsay, um, just the, the shared life experience has made a big impact on me as well. It really is just like a community, like a little community of people that get you. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice to know that when you're sharing your story, other people, they really can relate to you. Or even mm -hmm. if they can't necessarily fully relate, they can really appreciate what you're going through. And right. that in itself is just really nice to have. And I think sometimes people might be afraid to reach out for help or they may think it's not for them. Um, but what's nice is that there's just something for everyone. You know, yeah. we have social meetups, fun meetups. We have, you know, um, support group sessions. Um, a lot of siblings, they become really close friends. Um, a lot of yeah. my very close friends right now have come out of being a part of Sibs New York. And I think having that common bond of having a sibling with a disability also just, you know, allows you to appreciate just sort of all the dynamics of one's life. And, yep. you know, siblings, siblings appreciate stress. So, yeah, <laughs> yep, I get it. I get it. That's awesome. So, um, I really appreciate how you've touched on all the various levels of impact for siblings um, and really walked us through what childhood might look like for a sibling for a of a person with a disability as well as some of the adult experiences. Um, is there anything else in closing that you want to share with the audience? Well, I would like to say, I mean, if you are a parent listening, um, please feel free to reach out if you are thinking that you would like more support for all of your children in your family. If you are a sibling listening, we would love for you to reach out, whether to Sibs New York or the Sibling Leadership Network. Um, you can find us all online. Um, if you are a teacher or a service provider, maybe this has allowed you to think a little bit more about the siblings of the individuals that you are working with. Um, and realizing that they um, also are impacted by your student with a disability. So when siblings are supported, the entire family is supported. And siblings are people who I, I think don't always think about maybe that they need support or that they would benefit from, from a group like this. So I'm so glad that you shared this information with us. I think it's so helpful for our audiences. You know, I always say that siblings are we're all in sort of different boats navigating this storm mm, and I, love that. I would love your listeners to just know especially if they're siblings that they are not alone in this journey as a sibling and that if they were hesitant to reach out for support i would hope that they did and especially if you're in new york i hope to hear from you and I hope you think about joining Sibs New York and also look into the Sibling Leadership Network. It's a really wonderful, wonderful network of siblings. And I know that um, no matter where you are in your need for support, you will find it and you'll make really great friends along with it. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate. It's like this whole new world, right? A new experience for siblings. I thank you so much, Lindsay, for being here to speak with us today. I personally have learned so much from you and the experiences that you've had. I'm sure our audience has as well. Um, so I really appreciate everyone tuning in today with us. 
And Lindsay, thanks so much for being here. Um, well, thank and you so much. Of thanks course. Giving sibling support some attention. Of course, of course. All right, well, take care, everyone that does it for us today. Everyone stay safe.